0: Remember, as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome to today's Happy Hour podcast. I'm Cheryl Benton, and I'm so excited to have my friend Jane Goldman, who's author of "With No Regrets," "Growing Older," "Face It," "Live It," "Love It" as my guest today. Jane was the very first book that we published under our Three Tomatoes Book Publishing imprint, and that was a little, a uh, little less than a year ago, actually. And since then, we're about to publish book number eight, but. Jane will always be special because she was the very first, and she's also always always going to be special because she truly is a remarkable woman. I like to call her a renaissance woman, although she doesn't see herself that way. But for many years, Jane was a general counsel and vice president of Warner Brothers Distributing, and then she was litigation counsel to its parent company, Time Warner, And now she pursues her passions, which include painting, sculpting, music, and writing. And if all those accomplishments weren't enough, she also won a Drama Desk Award as associate producer on the long-running show Celebrity Autobiography, which has been produced on and off Broadway. So Jane, I'm very happy to have you here today. And thank you, Cheryl.
1: I'm very happy to be here too, even though we're uh, at different locations.
0: I know, I know. Well, hopefully, we'll all be able to see each other very soon. I'm really hoping that. So, let me tell. I know. hope you
1: don't get to see me now.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> I know we're all in our our like uh, our our Zoom mode, and fortunately, we're doing this. Um, just audio today, so that's a good thing. <laughs> so very, let me tell good, let, me, let me tell everyone though how uh, how I met Jane and how the book came about. So I had I had known Jane, but not really well. But we have a wonderful uh, mutual friend named Randy Levine Miller, and Randy was telling me about how Jane had these wonderful essays that she would write. And she'd read them to her friends sometimes and they all loved them. And she said, I think they're really terrific. And maybe you want to have her show you a couple of them because you might want to publish them at the Three Tomatoes website. So Jane sent me a few and I started reading them and they were so great and they were so witty and wise and poignant and a lot of them are also very funny. So I said, Jane these are great. I'm like, how many of these do you have? And she said, well, I got quite a lot actually. So I started to read more of them. And then I said, Jane, these would make an awesome book. And I would love to publish this book. And that was the start of our Three Tomatoes officially publishing business. And Jane's first book. But I have to say, and I think it's fair to say, Jane, that publishing a book was not actually on your bucket list at the time. And but I know there are a lot of women out there who may be thinking about writing a book. So what did you like like about the process and what did you find painful about it?
1: Very good question, Cheryl. One of the things that I liked about the process is going through the process with you, uh, with your encouragement, your patience. This was a very new thing for me. And even though this was the first book you were publishing, you were already professional, knowledgeable about the process and totally patient with all the issues that I faced in going through it. The joys of it was that I had not written uh, articles or pieces for quite some time. The pieces that Randy suggested I send to you, I wrote after I stopped working at Time Warner and was returning to my passions. And one of the passions was writing. And I took a writing class and I began to break open that part of my brain that was that writing part. And I was just writing every day during that class. Then I stopped and did other things during the years. When you said, Uh, you wanted to publish the book, it turned on something in my brain and that began to be a wonderful part of it. All of a sudden I began to write again and I would go outside and I would suddenly find a story and that part of my brain had been dormant for many years. So it woke it up and that part of it I absolutely loved. That was terrific. I just sat at my computer and words poured out. Well, they poured out, but the part that was difficult, of course, was then rereading them and making sure that they poured out in the right way. So (laughs) the editing process, right, the editing process was not easy. And that's why I so appreciate your patience of going through two, three, four fiber drafts. I have always been somewhat of a perfectionist, and so nothing was ever good enough in what I wrote. And you were so wonderful and encouraging and doing editing helpful things to me. So that part was not as much fun as writing. And it was a new experience of picking covers of format. So those things were an education. They weren't as much fun of the, it as the uh, writing of it. As as well as the worry that I think many people might have of exposing yourself, because after all, what I write and share with you, you're now going to share through your publishing of it, my thoughts and my feelings, and some of them very personal feelings with many people. Now, those people I don't know, maybe I don't care, but I know a lot of people, and now they may know more about me than I might have wanted to reveal in the way that I'm doing it. So that is also something that somebody kind of has to look at, but I have to say that the experience has been just such a tremendously wonderful one for me, not only open up that creative part of my brain that had been asleep for many years, but um, opening up something new to me of being uh, somebody to share my thoughts and then feel when people have read my book and felt moved by it or learned something or the reaction, it just felt good that I might've touched people in a way that I may not have if I hadn't exposed myself. And again, Cheryl, but for your suggestion, and thank you, Randy, for getting this all started. I would not have had this experience, and it really is a uh, really a, a very, very good one. I would um, really recommend to women now, to anybody, this is a time when we have more time to just take a pen out. It might be hard, or your computer, to get going. But once you do, and you push yourself, you might find there's a lot you want to say. And when you feel like there is, I would suggest you call Cheryl and go through (laughs) this process.
0: Well, that's so great, Jane. And, And what I loved about working with you was one, as we got going into it, you had so many more stories to tell. And it was great to see you creating, you know, as we as we went through, because you really came up with yeah, you know, we started out with a few essays, but you came up with so many new things during the course of working together. And then, of course, the fun thing, I used to call it Sundays with Jane, because every Sunday, <laughs> Jay, Jane and I would get on the phone and we would go through what had been written that week and what needed to be updated. And it was, I really looked forward to my Sundays with Jane. Fortunately, we still talk. It's not always on Sundays now. <laughs> I, I was about
1: to say- I was about to say, we did not do that by Zoom calls. And while your voice is always so uplifting and wonderful, on the other side, you might be needing a vodka or something to say, oh, there
0: she goes again, editing again. Why doesn't she look let, leave well enough alone? But, you know, you hit on something yeah. that's so important for women who uh, are thinking about putting a book out there. And, I, and I'm finding this right now with some women who've actually come to me with their books And then there's that actual fear thing about, I'm actually going to put this out into the world for everybody to read. And then they kind of pause. So it is a really big thing to, it's one thing to write a book, it's another thing to say, I'm going to actually publish the book and put it out in the world. And that really takes a big leap of faith for anyone who does that. So, congratulations, Jane. That's why. that's why not everybody has a book out there because some people are afraid of taking that next step. But let me say, one of the other things I, I really I really admire about you is how you made the transition from being this very high-powered corporate attorney to this new phase of your life. And I know a lot of women struggle with that. I mean, I know I did. I mean, when you know you were a corporate attorney, I was an advertising executive. When I left the advertising world, I realized I had identified myself by what I did for so long that I really struggled for a while with, you know, who am I, you know, because you became what you did. So did you struggle with that? And then how did you go on to find all these new passions, you know, the painting, the sculpting, the music, the writing, producing, et cetera, et cetera?
1: Another very good question, Cheryl, and I did struggle with it. The first year, maybe not as much because finally I was able to take trips that I couldn't take while I was working, always too worried about my work, and I knew that I could be reliable about making a date with a friend. I wouldn't cancel it because of the sudden business thing, so I kind of enjoyed that, but then it was, who was I? And when I had my titles and my position, I didn't even have to read a newspaper. People who I would meet, new people, would just assume that I might have enough intelligence to have that position. And I didn't have to really in any way do anything more than just say I was uh, vice president or general counsel. So that was uh, important. But I do have to say, having those titles Uh, really came with a big price. I spent um, my 25 years of Time Warner working very, very, very hard. And while that did have a lot of benefits, the company was great to work for, I did give up a lot in doing that. And I began to, I think, see after I stopped working, that I began to also lose myself. Because during that period, while I was expanding in the world of law and in being out there, I had to do a lot of seminars on antitrust for men who could not wanna be listening to that that much. But um, it was a wonderful experience and I'm grateful that I had it. But on the other hand, a lot of who I was, um, was kind of lost cause I didn't have the time to go back to what as a child I had as interests. I was very interested, for example, in music. I had gone to a high school of performing arts for the piano, and I kind of left that over the years uh, of working. And I sculpted as a kid, and I wrote as a kid. And all of that, I had no time to do. And I also traveled at some point when I was younger. I didn't have time for that. So I began, once I began to go back to what was really at my core, Not to say that working hard wasn't also, but when I went back to what really nourished me uh, and I began to do that, I just began to be like, who cares if I don't have a title? Who cares if nobody, if I have to read the newspaper now to impress anybody or read the latest novel? I was really loving what I was doing. Again, that's not to say that I did not love what I did. And if I continued that for many more years, I would have been very happy too. But I think in some ways I found out more who I was during the period of not working than who I was when I worked. And I began to recognize, but it took a time, that I didn't really care what anybody thought as long as I thought I was okay. I might just add one other thing uh, this time, and that is that many of us who have had uh, serious careers felt like we had to do something important, that that was a career or business or doing something was important. Uh, We were accomplishing something. So it was difficult for me when I pursued my interest to know that I'm not going to be a concert pianist or I'm not going to be a artist in a museum. Was this a waste of time? I even have a a piece called, what is a waste of time? And I began to think that, you know, I worked hard enough. And it wasn't a waste of time, even if it was just for my own satisfaction, because after all, I'm supposed to satisfy myself and my life also and do what's important to me. So in some ways, while I lost an identity that I did like, I like to be able to say those things, and an identity that attracted people to me, partly because of who I was in those days, I began to find the ways that my days was more of who I was and what meant more to me and and also it gave me more time to be with the people I love and really, I always was there for them, but to be there in time, which I suddenly had so to women who are going through it by choice or just by the downsides of what's going on in our economy, many people may be forced now to be out of a position um, if they can have the opportunity and you know be fortunate to have enough wherewithal to be able to follow their early passions i suggest that they try to go into them now and explore them when there is time and um and to really think about who they are by what they love and who they are to their friends and family more than what titles give to them
0: that's such that's such great advice jane really and that's such a great life lesson And it's so important for so many women who are phasing into whatever the next stage of their life is to be able to pause and say, what are the things that I really care about? What fills me up? What Mm -hmm. lifts my spirit? And not to feel guilty about those things, because as you said, that makes us makes us a whole person and makes us much more giving out in the world. So we should not feel guilty about that. And when we're so busy raising families and pursuing careers, we often don't have the time sometimes to just pause and say, what are the things that I feel passionate about? And rediscovering those things is so important. And I truly think that's, that's one of the joys of growing older, which is actually what we titled this podcast today. And not focusing. Obviously, there's things we don't like about growing older. I mean, let's let's be honest about some of those. And I know you touch on some of those in the book. Sometimes it's getting out of bed with aches and pains. And, you know, we're going to talk about that looking in the mirror thing, too, and seeing all the age lines and stuff. But but the one of the joys of getting older is that pause, that being able to find what really fulfills us. And I think women as we get older we become much more creative and i've seen that with you i felt it with myself and i've seen that with so many of my friends so that was a great lesson to share now i want to talk about get to the book a little bit here because the living a life without regrets basically has three key things you talk a lot about relationships you talk about how we feel as we grow older and you're very honest about that and lessons we've learned along the way as we experience life and you just shared one of those huge big ones with us all and um certainly all of those themes were very relevant when you published the book last august but Certainly no one knew we had a global health pandemic coming around the corner. So now having lived through this, and we are all very grateful we've survived this most challenging time, are there, looking back, is there anything that you would have changed if you were writing the book today?
1: I wouldn't have um, changed my pieces. I would have added many to it because certainly going through this unprecedented time, raises a lot of issues for all of us. Uh, But I would keep the articles as they were and actually uh, they've become even more meaningful to me, particularly some of them. But there would definitely be one thing I would change and that's in my title. My title is with no regrets getting older, face it, live it, love it. Now I would say embrace it. Because the fact is if the coronavirus teaches us anything, and it should be teaching each of us many things. I've learned a lot. The overriding lesson, at least for me, is that while we are getting older is to be not faced as a problem, which my title might have suggested. Rather, it's to be fully embraced and welcomed with joy enthusiasm, and most important, much gratitude, regardless of what we're struggling with or the losses that come with it, and which there are many, of course, clearly post this virus, any of those who are struggling with the disease in comparison to all of us who are just struggling with getting older, our issues would pale in comparison. So I think about that pretty much every day. If I'm healthy, if the people I love are healthy, let us, right now we see ourselves maybe older than ever, not covering our gray hair as much and all those things that make us look in the mirror and say, what happened to me? But we should just be um, grateful. It's not so easy, but that would be the change that I would make, embrace it. And also one of the things, Cheryl, about what I said before about transferring from a, a full-time uh, worker, I, I think anybody who transitions out of, even if they were a full-time mother or a full-time wife, anytime time you make a, a change, it is something where you've identified yourself before, now just find other ways that are more important to you and maybe you don't need the identity that you had before to make you feel like a whole and worthwhile person
0: right exactly and i and i so agree with you too on that you know our feelings now with the pandemic and looking around and and just a feeling of gratefulness and i think another thing too so many of us have felt <laughs> since this virus was so much more potent with with people over the age of 60 that so many of us who feel vital and young at heart and everything else never really thought of ourselves as being vulnerable and i think that's kind of a been a wake up call and kind of a scary thing for for a lot of us i mean i don't think of myself as being Old or vulnerable, but I have to say, with the pandemic, you start to think a little bit differently. So that's and may like, I just say, Cheryl, yeah.
1: yeah. And Cheryl, may I say that it's like 20 times in a day you're reminded
0: that you were quote, the elderly. Yes, exactly.
1: But elderly is now both. over
0: 60. I mean, you know, the way we've defined elderly now, it's like, oh my gosh, that's when did 60 become elderly? You know, so it gets really, really crazy. But um, one of the one of the really important things, as I said, you talk about in the book is relationships. And you talk about relationships with friends, relationships with lovers. But the most important relationship we have is with ourselves. And women are, we are so self-critical of ourselves. It's just a fact. We kind of need to learn to get over that, but it just is. It's whether we're... You know, it's how we look in that mirror and how we see ourselves. And I think it's become even much more pronounced with Zoom now, because when we go on Zoom, video we're all picking ourselves apart now it's like oh my gosh i never noticed this flaw or that flaw we are finding all these things that we don't like about ourselves which nobody else by the way is seeing except except us Mm -hmm. but you have a couple of pieces that are that you wrote that are really great one is about where did i go and that's actually looking in the mirror and another one is called beautiful And right now, we could talk a little bit more about this, but right now, um, read us some of Where Did I Go? Because that's actually the very first essay in the book, and it's one that I know every woman out there who's listening to this is going to relate to.
1: Okay, fine. And Where Did I Go? came to me as a title, because I actually said that to myself where did I go when I saw a reflection of myself in a uh, department stores, you know, sometimes you pass a window and you can see a reflection. And I thought, where am I? Where did I go? That's my mother there. That's not me. Or when I was in a ladies room with young people and they left, some, you don't see yourself changing and they left. And I thought they went with my image. Who was this person now left in the mirror alone? And, um, it was really rather uh, daunting because I, like all of us, look in the mirror umpteen times a day, even if I don't mean to, you pass one, and we don't see the changes that are going on every single day. And sometimes something like seeing a young person against us makes us realize, wow, I don't have that face anymore. So that was what my piece was about. But I did try to find something good, as I do try to find in everything, Because everything bad comes with good. Everything good comes, unfortunately, sometimes with a little bad. So I won't read my whole piece, but I will read what I try. And it's not easy to totally absorb, even though I wrote it. But I do remind myself of this. So this is what my positive thinking is on the subject. I miss that face that used to be mine. I wonder if I pay a surgeon a lot of money, can he turn back my face cock? but then I will need him to do that again and again in the future as each changing face over the years would become unrecognizable to me like this last one did. So maybe instead I can try to look in the face I have and appreciate what these many years have given me, not what they have taken away. What if I could see in the lines between my eyes, not my disappointments over the years, but my accomplishments in the lines around my lips, not my hurts, but the product of my many years of smiles in the puffiness under my eyes, not a sign of exhaustion, but the never forgotten memories of the passions I experienced. Mirrors cannot change my view, but maybe I can by simply changing my point of view. Maybe then I will never need the short-term fix of the surgeon's knife. Maybe then I can always find me in my face, even when reflected against other images that used to be mine. Otherwise, this face I now see and the faces I will see in the future will all too soon become unrecognizable to me in the mirror. And when I spend so many years earning my faces, maybe that is just something I do not want to happen
0: that is so. the end of that piece it's i love i love i love that piece and there's another one that you have um that's sort of the counter to it but that was more serious beautiful there's another piece called beautiful which actually also has a lot of humor in it but it has basically the same thought at the end about being able to actually look at ourselves in the mirror and see the person within and that's beautiful is another another great piece that I really, really loved. And another theme that you have, and I do want to talk about this because it's so important. You talk a lot about, excuse me, friendships in the book and how important our friendships are. And you have a wonderful chapter called the, no matter what friend. And we're all so lucky when we have those, those friends. So how, Has that gotten even more important, do you think, for you, and I think maybe all of us through the pandemic, being able to reach out to those no matter what friends? How do you feel about that, Jane?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, friends and family also, of course, but friends have always been very important to me. And most of the time, one can uh, survive on one's own and be uh, definitely supported by friends, but not in such need. But right now, I think friends are critical. They are the essential. You know, the uh, the liquor stores are essential when everything is closed down. Um, unfortunately, beauty salons and everything were not essential. But friends, more than ever, are essential. And the piece I wrote was very meaningful be meaningful to me then, but more now. And I talk about the no matter what friend. And I, if you don't mind, I would just talk about what a no matter what friend is i won't read to the whole piece, sure exactly but but yeah. it's 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 the um uh the, no matter what friends are the ones that are always there the ones that make me feel i'm never alone always loved. in short the family of friends are the no matter what friends and what do i need to do in return for my family of no matter what friends well i won't read it all because it relates a little bit partly to the first part of that article but i do say that i will be to those friends that no matter what friends, to be there for them and to love them as they are to me. And I think right now, whether we can see them on Zoom or just even on a phone call, it's a wonderful thing to feel this family of friends. And I find for myself that even it's impossible to keep up with everybody. I just calling people or being called just that you know people care for you and are caring and worrying as you worry for them making sure we're all okay right now that is critical i think in our self-preservation and keeping us with gratitude and hope for the future so, that is one of the most important things I really think right now, better than the alcohol from the liquor stores.
0: Uh, <laughs> although, the wine it, is, is, although the wine at night definitely helps, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> even, even if it's in the afternoon, right? Exactly. <laughs> but, it's five o'clock somewhere.
1: <laughs> def- definitely. So, oh, I love and I that. Think all those, Thank you. And yeah. I thank all my friends who are hearing this who have been for me, my no matter what friends they know, and I they know who they are and I hope they know that I am that for them as well.
0: Well, you de you definitely are that. And and I want to just switch gears a little bit. Well, we've been talking about the pandemic, but I know people will find it interesting that uh you live in New York City, you live on your own, you live in a high rise apartment building. I mean, you've pretty much been inside for close to four months i know you're now starting to venture out a little bit but um so thank goodness for all of our wonderful no matter what friends that you know and you you've been so great staying in touch with everybody and you've done it with such a positive attitude and one one day i called you and you had me falling on the floor with laughter because you were trying to figure out how to operate different things in your apartment which you had never done (laughs) how to do before and you turned that into just such a wonderful article that's now posted at the three tomatoes and it's called lessons learned during the pandemic and it starts with some of those funny things but you also end with some serious thoughts so share a little bit of those of those for us because i know people will will they'll enjoy it because i did so Well, I I won't
1: go through the whole thing because it would take up too much time. One of the most critical things was that I learned that it was a good thing I became a lawyer and not a homemaker because I had absolutely no idea about how to do anything in my house. Not that I got spoiled by having somebody cleaning for me every day, but I had what a lot of us have, somebody coming in every week. And I was not married, so I didn't learn how to cook. I worked too hard to take that up. And uh, so I went to restaurants. So I really didn't know how to use a lot of things in my house. So I do start off the piece with saying something that was a wonderful lesson for me. And I'm not embarrassed to share. It was that I learned that the microwave wave has more than just a start and stop button. <laughs> and that was critical because now I finally had frozen, fro- frozen food. Before, I used to keep in my freezer my paints after my painting cracked. Now I had to make room for actual food and then to see how to not just turn on the start button because it wasn't making the food taste good so then I learned all these kind of things and I began to learn a lot of other things that your like your stove is not just to store um, pots and pans I mean (laughs) well I actually have a friend who
0: I actually have a friend who that was one of the places where she used to store her handbags so she's had to move those out so she could actually cook
1: (laughs) Oh, well, that's even, she should should write an article too. That's even more than me. But I, I, I say another one when I nearly broke my back trying to put a fitted sheet on a bed. I don't know how my housekeeper, when she comes in, can do that in five minutes it was taking me 20 easily, and I had to take breaks from my back, and then somebody (laughs) gave me a hint. So things like that, let alone that my vacuum cleaner, when I plugged it in, turned off all the circuits, my printer, my television, I had to go buy another vacuum cleaner and things. So I have to say, and then learning that you don't use fantastic with bleach on everything, I learned by doing it. (laughs) That was, these were lessons that I have to say were not fun when I was learning them. I was shocked about how little that I knew, but, um, but they were, were really wonderful lessons that I hated every moment having to go through the process, but but, but definitely all of us have learned things through this, but I did learn more important <laughs> lessons. Uh, you know, I, oh, I think one of the other important ones that I learned is that a good lover—that more important than having a good lover—is having a housekeeper and a hairstylist, even yes. if they are not good.
0: Oh, absolutely! And, I think most of us would have uh, would would have agreed to that during this time. So, your book, right. your book is is all about getting older, and as the subtitle says, face it, live it, love it. So of all the lessons, Shane, that you've learned along the way, what to you has been the most important lesson so far? Aside from the microwave going on and off. (laughs) Right, right.
1: And and by the way, in, in those lessons and in that piece, I did say that the most important lesson, but there's another one that I was recognizing that if you have your health you have lots of problems. If you don't have it, you only have one. And so one of the lessons is to embrace my problems and be grateful for them, even if it is shutting off all the uh, circuits in my apartment, Uh, as long as I'm healthy and my friends are saddled with all these annoying problems or other problems of everyday living, Health is really critical, and if there's yeah, any time yeah. that that is most is now. But it's also in the learning process. There's many things of getting older, of learning, because uh, getting older, you know, coming with all the difficult things we have to face, it does come with lessons. And one of them is really trying to um, not uh, be living with regrets, not adding to your regret list, trying to let go of them, and also uh, to make sure that with all that you do for everybody, for your work, for your loved ones, uh, is to make sure that you take care of yourself as well. And this is a time, I think, now that we might be able to focus on it and not feel guilty if we put ourselves on top of the take care of list.
0: Exactly. And the very (laughs) last essay in your book, which is so beautiful, and it's what inspired the title, it's actually called With No Regrets. And it's a beautiful, poignant piece with such a wonderful message. So if you could read that for us, I think to end today's podcast, I just loved it. I love it. And I know our that, listeners will love it.
1: That, thank you, Cheryl. The piece with no regrets.
0: It ends. What an
1: aha moment when my friend reminded me of the Franz Kafka quote as to him, this was the meaning of life. I thought I became philosophical many years earlier when my sister was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. But maybe that only gave me new meaning to the expression when life changes on a dime. Hers certainly did. With that diagnosis, there was no time for her to leave anything significant in her life undone. She did not. This gave her strength. She could then say in the face of her death sentence, And she did say, I know I was there. Without tears, she said, I have no regrets. I saw every city I needed to see. I accomplished what I needed to do. And she even said in her continued celebration of life, I'm glad I just splurged on a Chanel handbag. Well, I thought if I'm to accept this most alarming aha moment, And I wondered if I too would be able to say the same things at that time. I began to think maybe it is enough with cleaning my closets and apartment when they are clean enough. Enough with making calls to friends whose problems always came ahead of mine. Enough with worrying about all the many things that might never happen. In short, as I finally hear and heard loud and clear what might be the true meaning of life, it ends. I began to think that celebrating life and doing what is significant to me, not just to others, has to be a priority on my bucket list. I think if I abide by that, then when my day comes, I too can say what my sister said. I live
0: my life with no regrets. That is so beautiful, yeah. Jane. It's what, that's just one of my favorite essays in your book. But then, of course, I love all the books. And I am so happy hey. that you were able to join me today and that so many more people can learn about the awesomeness of Jade Goldman because you are such a great human being, number one. And you're funny and you're witty and you're wise. And I hope everyone today enjoyed a little sneak peek inside your book with no regrets. Getting Older, Face It, Live It, Love It. The book is available on Amazon. I promise you'll find humor with inspiration and lots of nuggets of wisdom. And to learn more about Jane and the book, you can visit her website, janehgoldman.com. So stay well, my friend. Cheers to you. let me add one thing. One of my wisdom and wise
1: decision was saying yes to you when you said, <laughs> let's do a book. And I say all the beautiful things you say about me that I say about you, because it was a process and not every moment was easy and you made it that way. And I, again, urge Um, women listening to this program to just try to go to your computer, write down your thoughts and call Cheryl and get them together. That
0: is so great and that's why you will always be a no matter what friend (laughs) so stay (laughs) well thank you